it's one thing to agree, hey, follow me at the major at a major, and it's another thing to show up when you're in contention on Sunday and we're knocking at the door of your house saying, hey, you said we can come over, can we film? You know, would you mind putting this mic on? And and I give so much credit to the players who who got it and understood what we were trying to do and, and were willing to let us in. You know, my, my what I told them from the very beginning was like, my goal is for you to watch this with your friends and your family and, and look at them and see like, that's what it was like. That's what it was like to be me last year. Welcome back to the Golfer's Journal podcast brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf. My name's Tom Coyne. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, a lot of exciting drops of late from Titleist. If you're a Team Titleist member, you know all about them. One I'm pretty excited about. It is the new TSR hybrids coming out, the TSR2 and TSR3. So when Titleist took the jump with the drivers in the fairway woods to the TSR technology, they're doing that now with the hybrids. So get those in your bag. They've got more forgiveness, improved sound, uh, a cool, uh, some cool new shapes to them. And I'm very excited. They are quicker through the rough for those of us who might need some of that. So go to Titleist.com, schedule your fitting for the TSR hybrids today. I'll admit, I took the 4-iron out. I put the 4-hybrid in. Uh, I did that a while ago. And it's, it's not easy to get rid of those 3 and 4-irons, but they're gone for me. And what they're replaced with is a nice angle of attack, easier to hold the greens with those high-soaring hybrids. Uh, some big news here at the Golfer's Journal as well. Now, as you know, at the Golfer's Journal, we don't do swing tips. We don't do how-tos. Uh, but that doesn't mean we don't want you to play better. So we're inviting all Broken Tea Society members to take part in a year-long initiative that we are calling the Index Experiment. So since the Broken Tea Society is now an official golf club where you can host your handicap, uh, which you can in case you didn't know that, we thought why not try to lower those handicaps all together as this group effort. So over the course of the year, we're going to set all of our members up with the latest and greatest tools and equipment, content, and information from coaches and experts both in and out of golf, and you'll be able to track your progress on GolfersJournal.com. And those who participate, they're going to be entered to win monthly prizes, which include some once-in-a-lifetime experiences. From there, it's on you to get out and play and practice and work towards those goals that you set for yourself, whatever they may be. So we'll be tracking your stats and progress along the way, and at the end of the year, we'll publish our findings and final analysis. Uh, the Index Experiment, totally free to participate in for all of our members. So go and sign up. Uh, it's in the My Account area on GolfersJournal.com. So set some goals and start working toward them today. Uh, we've got great offers and prizes lined up that we think are going to help immediately uh, with some different brands and different companies that are that are on board with this, which is really exciting. We'll be announcing those very soon. My goal, uh, I'm on there. I've set my goals for the index, exp index experiment. want to get back to scratch and uh, and lose 20 pounds. And I'm on my way. Got the Peloton. I'm in the hashtag Broken Tea Society Peloton group. So uh, it's pretty cool. Feeling better. And we're all doing it together. Kind of feels like a project that would make a good documentary. No? Well, when he finishes up following the PGA Tour around, we've got just the man to make that happen. On today's podcast, thrilled to be speaking with Chad Mum, producer of the much-talked-about pro-golf Netflix documentary series Full Swing. This is a good one. Not only is Chad a producer in Hollywood, he's a fellow Broken Tea Society member who hangs in our Discord server from time to time, he says. Uh, in this conversation, he gets behind the scenes and into the making of the series, into the editing and the production and collecting all this material and how you turn that into a story, uh, how you turn such a year of golf into eight episodes. So you're, you're going to hear about some of the big surprises on the show and speaking of the index experiment, there's actually a good tip in here that Chad picked up after a year spent hanging around the best golfers in the world. So let's get to it. Yes, full swing, it is a golf show. But as you'll hear, for Chad Mum, a lifetime golfer and scratch player, getting complete access to follow and film the best players in the world, it was a gig that's going to be impossible to top. Well, it's Chad Mom joining us here on the uh, in the Golfers Journal podcast. Chad, thanks so much for joining us and taking the time to talk a little bit about. Uh, everyone's excited about Full Swing on Netflix. Welcome to the pod. 
I am so pumped to be here. Thanks I think, for having me. Yeah, I mean, you have a, a, a long and distinguished resume, but right at the top for us goes uh, Broken Tea Society member. And we saw yes. right, on the, right on the desk in front of you, a gorgeous, uh, I think, number 21, looking right back at you. That's right. Stacked on a, a couple other editions uh, as well. And I've been in the Discord, so, you know, i kind of more of a lurker, but wow. I'm, I'm in there. I'm I like there. it. Well, let's cut to the chase. What role does the Golfer's Journal play in this Netflix docuseries? No, I'm just... Uh, you know, there's like <laughs> maybe three or four episodes that, you know, center around the Golfer's Journal. You'd be shocked at how much it's, uh, it features in that's what series. I thought. Live, live, be damned. Let's talk about yes. uh, the magazine that's changing golf media. No, biggest uh, story in golf. <laughs> no, thank you. No, uh, this is really exciting because you know a lot of people are talking about the show, um, and what I wanted to talk about with you is you know from our perspective at the Golfers Journal as as folks who tell golf stories full time, and sometimes those stories are sort of unwieldy and have a lot of pieces to them. I was sort of thinking from a creative point of view. How did you handle, how do you craft a story out of so much, God, so much stuff that happened last year? Mm. Where do you even, as a writer, producer, director, where do you even start? Yeah. Well, I can tell you exactly where we started, which was the beginning of the season. We sat down with all the cast members or it's weird to say cast members actually in the context of yeah, like, it's like you know, wait, professional what? athletes. Don't you mean like, golfers? you know, but yeah. but you know, the golfers, we sat down with each player who had signed up for the show and and had sort of opted in and we we started out with an audio interview with them. And kind of like we're doing here, it's just a conversation. And mm-hmm. you know, one thing that we've learned and our partners on this project at Box to Box who makes like they make like Drive to Survive and you know, Breakpoint and a bunch of other great shows. They've learned with pro athletes in general, you kind of put a camera in their face. They tend to like, until they get comfortable, they tend to go into the media training mode. You know, right. that's what they're used to. There's cameras in their faces all the time. But if you sit down, you know, put a lob on them and just sit in a room together and have a conversation, there's no cameras, there's no makeup, there's no, no lights. It's just a conversation that, you know, they tend to open up. They tend to, you know, give you a little bit more. So we started our first, the first sort of, first anything that we made on this show was we went down to the Hero World Challenge in the Bahamas uh, in 2021. So like, I guess it was November 21. Mm-hmm. And there happens to be a recording studio there at Albany where they where they play that tournament. Um, and it's like Drake's made an album there, apparently. It's owned by, part owned by Justin Timberlake, we were told. But anyway, it was like an amazing sort of first impression for all the golfers because it's like, hey, come over to this cool recording studio and sit down and like, we're just going to talk about your life. So, you know, that's how we started. And, um, and, you know, you just kind of, it began a conversation. We used those interviews to kind of build the spine of a story of what we thought might, you know, unfold over the season. And one of the things that was true about this series is the, the goal we really wanted to show people what it was like to compete in pro golf. Like it wasn't, you know, we're not, we weren't really there to tell a story about like, a major or an individual tournament, the whole thing was meant to be filtered through the lens of like what it's like from the player's perspective. And I remember having a conversation with one of the majors and, you know, they're like, well, asking us what we were shooting. And I, you know, I said, look, you can make five documentaries about your major, you know, the history, the, the, all of the great stuff that's happened there, the traditions, everything. But like Mm. what we're doing there is to tell the story of what it's like to compete in that event. We're going to show up and we're going to see it through the player's eyes. And that's going to bring us into places where cameras have never been before. And it's going to, the focus is not going to be on the event. It's going to be on what it's like to be a competitor in it and what it feels like to be the wife or the best friend or the caddy or the coach or the friend of the person who's competing. Um, so the, those first interviews were really, you know, designed to give us a sense of like who these people were, who these you know, players were, what, what was important to them, what kept them up at night, what they were looking to do this year. And, you know, you, you start, they give you the goals, oh, I'm going to win a major, I'm going to get to number one in the world. And then, you know, pretty soon you get a little bit deeper and you start to understand what their lives are like, you know, what relationships are important, what, you know, what, what means, what, what means the most to them, you know, do they want to get out of it? And from there, we sort of wrote like high level story arcs that we thought we would want to follow because we, you know, we were everywhere last year. I think we, you know, we had, we shot close to 300 shoot days, which was not, you know, consecutively, wow. but with our various crews all over, I mean, it was a lot of shooting, um, but we couldn't be everywhere all at once. And so we had to sort of pick our spots. And so those initial audio interviews really guided our, 
shape of like, okay, we really think we should be with Justin Thomas at the PGA, for example, Mm -hmm. turned out to be a good call, you know, (laughs) Matt Fitzpatrick going back to Brookline, you know, maybe a good idea to follow him that week. Yeah. Um, so we started to shape it out. And then as the season progressed, you know, the storylines, like some players, you know, became more central and the, you know, the players that really leaned in early gave us a ton of access to their families, to their homes, to their lives, to their private jets, you know, everything in between. And, you know, and you started to see the arc that happened over the course of a, you know, an entire season. And then obviously, you know, the live stuff happened. So that kind of introduced a bit of a pivot point, but even for like the players that you see that live story sort of told through, it's like, you know, it fits with their character arc. When we first sat down with, you know, a guy like Ian Poulter, it's like what was important to him really still comes through, even though, you know, his storyline is was impacted hugely by the, you know, Liv's emergence and his decision to go there. Yeah. Um, so, and then obviously it's editing, you know, we started cutting this thing like after the masters, you know, the, the first edit team started. So it's been in post-production, wow. you know, in kind of an ongoing way. And then we were like, you know, we would add stuff and, and, uh, and then, you know, but, but I would say like for the most part, a lot of pre-planning and then a lot of flexibility to kind of follow the story as it, you know, as it panned out. That's amazing. 300 shoot days and you're turning that into how many episodes? I mean, how many hours on Netflix? <laughs> yeah. It's like eight, eight episodes of like, you know, Whoa. roughly an hour. Yeah. Each. So Man, yeah, it's a lot. The process of condensing that. Um, God bless your editors. I can't, and I can't even imagine how much is left. Um, yeah. is that, yeah. is that. How do you, is that frustrating? Is that, should we do, we have to do season two behind the scenes. I mean, what do you do with all the other good stuff? You know, I think the, there's a lot of stuff that could be used in future seasons for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, some more evergreen stuff off the course, but for the most part, all the, all the important scenes, you know, are in the show, but okay. you know, there's a lot of, we shot a lot of practice rounds that just nothing happened, you know, like some good caddy banter maybe, but like, Right. Nothing meaningful, you know, what you see in crafting a show like this and what you'll see when you watch it on Netflix is like so much of the off the course stuff is really where the narrative is driven. Like you get inside these players heads, you understand sort of what it feels like to be in their shoes. And then the the tournaments and the competition is like the payoff to those character stories, you know, it's payoff to those arcs. So, you know, we don't need to be at a tournament for, you know, five days, including a practice round and every single round walking you through what happened on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. In some cases, we just drop you right in to the back nine on Sunday or, you know, Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning, getting ready to be in the final group. And I always wondered what is, what is pro, what do you do if you're sitting on the lead in the major, in a major, like, what do you do all morning on Sunday? Like in the final group? Well, I got to see that up close. Turns out you do what we all do. You watch the golf tournament and you try not to think about it. You know, huh. uh, you hang out with your family, but that's incredible. That that's cool. I'm looking. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Now, as you're putting the, the episodes together, do you work off? God, are you working off storyboards? Are do you have a script? Is it an outline? I'm just curious as a writer, like what the hell I would mm-hmm. do if someone said, um, you know, create <laughs> this, take a year of golf and turn it into turn into eight hours. Yeah. Well, we had a friend, like I said, we, from those initial interviews, we kind of had a skeleton of where we thought the story arcs would go. And then a little bit of like hanging stuff on that as the season went and you could start to see where there were holes in stories like, okay, you know, we've got this arc, but we're missing like the, the home connection here. Or, you know, okay. this player thanks somebody in a, you know, after a win and let's go find that person and, and live with them a bit and, and build out some of those relationships. And so, you know, it is like any editing process, you know, you start with a lot, you kind of have an idea about the skeleton of each storyline and the kind of macro storyline. And then, you know, you kind of let real life take you where you need to go. And we had a very lucky on the show to have a lot of resources. We had a really talented and amazing team of post-production people, including like story editors and editors and assistant editors. And I mean, just the archive alone, I wish I had the number in front of you, but it's like trillions of (laughs) like, you know, it's like, terabytes and petabytes of footage because we had all the stuff that we shot but also like almost every single shot that was hit and captured on a broadcast camera you know we had access to and we're pulling sources from like everywhere from you know like i said audio mics on the golf course that are typically only used to hear the sound of a strike you know we were able to light those up and listen in actually to the conversations both before the broadcast got to that scene and then afterwards you know and and it was a technical feat to be able to like tap into all that stuff. And it took a lot of collaboration on the, on the part of the, 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 you know, the PGA tour 
for one, but also like all their broadcast partners and the majors broadcast partners to kind of give us access to that stuff. So we could capture the golf, even if we weren't physically there, like at that moment, you know, and be able to tell those stories and come back and see it in a different way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like any project, you know, it's, it looks daunting at the beginning and then you get into it and you start chipping away at it, you know, one thing at a time. And, and, you know, we were lucky this year with just so many incredible storylines and, yeah. you know, so many of our players like went one majors, you know, people that joined the cast, you know, there's only four major winners a year and we got three of them in the show. So that's a pretty big uh, accomplishment that, you know, we had nothing to do with other than maybe picking correctly, you know, who we were following on those days. Um, and you know, but, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, just a testament to the team that we have that works on this show, that's been working on the show and the many, many thousands of hours they've put into like, you know, making it great and yeah. making it exciting and hopefully giving people a look at golf in a way that they've never seen it before. Well, that's, yeah, that's what it looks like. I mean, so you mentioned access. I think that's really interesting. Um, getting that access. I mean, that's where the whole story starts, right? Getting it from mm -hmm. the PGA, getting it from the majors, getting it from the players, which of those was the most challenging to get that sort of access that you needed? So the, the, the PGA tour sort of took the longest only because I've been working on this project and sort of pitching it to them for like, you know, half a decade now. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, but, but in fairness to them, you know, I would, every year I would see them at CES. I, you know, I, I run a Fox media studios, which is a big, you know, independent film and TV studio. And, and I'd gotten to know the PGA tour media team, Chris Wandell, uh, you know, Rick Anderson, Norgan Butza, those are the sort of three main, my three main point connections at BGA Tour. I got to know them, you know, back in maybe early 2010s, you know, 2010, 2011. Uh, and so every year I'd see them at CES, we'd play golf. They were very gracious in inviting me out. And then I would pitch them on doing like a hard knocks for golf. And then it was always like, ah, I don't know, timing, maybe not yet, not yet. And then Jay Monahan became commissioner and I saw them a couple of maybe like a month later at CES in 2019, we went and played shadow Creek and my first time ever being out there. And I brought it back up on the range and said, I think now's the time. And they were like, yeah, no, it is the time. And by the, by the end of the round, we had sort of hashed out what it could look like. And then by, you know, a couple months later at the players championship, I was in the room finishing that deal. And then I was at the masters without a, without a pass for the uh, clubhouse, just standing outside the tree with everybody else. And, <laughs> flagging down agents when I, when I saw them and, and introducing this idea to them and saying, you know, Hey, we're doing this. We'd really love for you to be a part of it. So, you know, the, the tour was once, you know, Jay had sort of given it the green light internally. They, they've been amazing, you know, sort of rolling out the, the access for us and really, you know, leaning into this project, sort of understanding what it could do for golf and, and, and not just for the PGA tour, but for golf in general. Um, after Netflix got involved and, you know, during COVID, all of the majors and the PGA tour had to kind of work together to remake the golf schedule. So that had sort of created an environment where they were talking to each other in a way they hadn't really talked, you know, before. And this project and drivers arrive was really blowing up. So this project became something that, you know, I think they all saw the opportunity for. And once Augusta came on board, all the other majors came on board. We, you know, we had something really special. And then it was a matter of like getting the players, the, the first three players to sign up were, uh, Ricky Fowler was the first player just to to say yes. And then we got Tony Finau and Cameron Champ and uh, Justin Thomas for sort of the core four original players. And then once we, you know, in late 2020, we started really building out the cast and, and getting to, you know, sort of where what you'll see when the show comes out. And then, you know, we even added players during the season, like Rory wasn't initially committed to the show and, and he came in at the end of the summer and, you know, was incredible. It gave us incredible access and just a testament to how, awesome a guy Rory is, you know, to just really lean in. Um, so yeah, I think it's like, like anything, you know, it's every step of the way was like, you know, you're just pitching constantly or, you know, even, even showing up, like it's one thing to agree, Hey, follow me at the major at a major. And it's another thing to show up when you're in contention on Sunday and we're knocking at the door of your house saying, Hey, you said we can come over. Can we film, you know, would you mind putting this mic on? And, and I give so much credit to the players who, who got it and understood what we were trying to do and, and were willing to let us in. You know, and I, I think they're going to love it. I think they're going to be really excited about, you know, my, my, what I told them from the very beginning was like, my goal is for you to watch this with your friends and your family and, and look at them and see like, that's what it was like. That's what it was like to be me last year. That's awesome. Well, that is extraordinary access. Uh, were there lines drawn? Were there, what were the rules? Um, or was it just, Hey, 24 seven, I'm available. I mean, there had to, I'm sure there had to be some sort of, um, maybe there wasn't. 
were there were there lines that you couldn't cross or, or lines that you had to work to cross? Our our biggest goal was to not produce any scenes. Like we didn't want to this is not the Kardashians, you know, we're not making a reality show. So we're not creating conflict for conflict sakes. We're not in there like producing scenes. So our what we told all the players was like, look, if it's important to you, it's gonna be important to us. So if you're doing something, let us come and film. Like you don't have to make time in your schedule for us. We're going to, we're going to just ride along with whatever you're already doing. And that was, I think a, a surprise to them. You know, every, all these players are so scheduled and they've got managers and agents and people around them and commitments to, you know, corporate partners and, you know, pro-ams and all that stuff. And so initially the response was like, Oh, this is maybe like another thing I have to think about. And then reality, what we, what we really did with them was like, hey, if you're doing it, like just let us ride along. We'll, we're not going to add anything to your calendar outside of a few interviews, you know, to, to tape to kind of give context to the series. But we're going to be there for you or, or alongside what you're already doing. And I think like, you know, some of the players had, you know, weren't didn't want like their fam, you know, their families deeply covered. You know, other players were like inviting us into their house with their spouses, and you know, it sort of varied. Um, but we were able to get access in a way that I think we could not have asked for better access or more access than we had in season one. It was, I think really give a lot of credit to the success of drive to survive for kind of introducing this idea. And, and a lot of the players were fans of that show. So they kind of knew what they were signing up for. Um, but you know, they still got to open the door and let us in. And, and, and I think the guys that really lean in are the ones that are going to get the most out of it. Who is getting the most out of it? Who was giving you the most access and was the most into it? <laughs> I mean, everybody who's featured in the show, I think, you know, if you all, everybody you saw in the teaser, those are all players that really got it and really leaned in, you know, and I think Rory coming in at the end really got, got you know, was amazing, you know, just coming in kind of late in the game, but really just giving us a ton of amazing access just was amazing. You know, players like Joel Damon, Tony Finau, you know, um, Justin Thomas, Matt Fitzpatrick, Brooks Kepka, I mean, Poulter, like they all leaned in in a big way. It was mm -hmm. really, really cool to see. You know, I, I hope they all get something out of it. Why do you think Rory decided eventually to do it? I mean, it was, a, he had a lot on his plate last year. Um, did he feel mm -hmm. like, do you think he felt like he needed to, with the sort of role that he's, whether he's um, chosen it or it's been thrust upon him, uh, this, this role that he has, do you think he felt obligated to be a voice or, um, was he countering another voice? Why do you think he no, eventually I think became he, part of it? You know, I think Rory is, he's just got so much charisma and he's such a natural leader. I think like even, even pre him committing, you know, we would be in the locker room at like the U S open, for example, and we'd be, or in the player dining area, we'd be shooting with Joel Damon or Matt Fitzpatrick or Colin Morikawa or one of the guys in our show. And like, and he would just come up to the table with the cameras right there and the boom mic overhead and sit down and start having a conversation. Like he wasn't ever shying away from it. And in some cases, like we were joking, like kept popping up in the background, like right. reading in, you know, we we're like, we love it. And so finally we just said, Roy, just get in here. Like, what are you waiting on? You know, just come on. And, and he, you know, obviously has a lot to say and, and, you know, to him, I, I mean, you'd have to ask him that question about sort of why he said yes. Um, but you know, he, he really like is, has been amazing to work with. And, you know, like once he decided that he was in, you know, he was, he was all in and, and that, you know, that's, that's true for like all the players that committed and, and um, you know, but, but in particular adding him was, was a lot of fun because he just, you know, he just doesn't, he's just not afraid to speak his mind and, and not in like a filtered way either, just the truly kind of uncensored, unfiltered, like what he really thinks, which has been really cool. Yeah, no doubt about it. Talking about, you know, all access and putting that together with the word Augusta don't typically go together. And so how was that experience? Um, tr you know, what, what was that like? How did you get them on board? And could you truly uh, go, <laughs> go anywhere uh, from someone who's had a credential there and there's still places very much where you can and can't go? So uh, I'm just, I'm just curious how that felt. I mean... They have been nothing but incredibly gracious and incredibly nice to us. And Good. it was still the most terrifying week of my entire life. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, just like going there and being, you know, like in a suit and tie the whole time. So I had, I had clubhouse access and was there, you know, to help facilitating players and agents and, you know, being around. And, it, you know, I just, 
on my own, like for me being such a golf fan my entire life, like Augusta and the Masters has always been such a special place for me. And the traditions, the tradition of watching it, you know, as a kid, like growing up, I, I the first time I went, I think I was like 11 or 12 um, and went to the Masters for the first time, just setting foot on that property, just like the almost like religious experience I had as a diehard golfer kid, like getting to go and walk around Augusta National. Um, so, you know, then showing up now, like working there, was you know it was it was intense and i you know even though they were great like nobody you know we got treated extremely well while we were there and they really held true to their word and they let us into places that no one's ever seen before i mean certainly i'm sure we didn't get this place i don't even know about that you that we weren't allowed to go to but for the most part what we needed to tell that story you know they were they were very accommodating and and obviously the facilities and infrastructure there is amazing and like we had a really awesome setup and you know, and they took care of us, but it was, uh, it was a terrifying week. I was like, everything I, every, every foot I was stepping, I was like making sure I wasn't in the wrong spot and our crews and we were looking out for it, but it, it went great. It does have Honestly, that effect. It was, uh, um, it does. It, and in a, in a cool way, did you see the wine cellar? Um, I, there was not really a reason for us to go to the, no, wine cellar, I, I can't but, imagine uh, there would be, that was one of my goals last year. And there's not a really reason for me to go either. Um, <laughs> did but, you find, did you get into it? Uh, not, not on this trip. I'd been, I've been down there to where they have like the table that's made from, uh, the Eisenhower tree, et cetera. But, oh, cool. uh, there's some, you know, some secret vault that, uh, I'm sure you have yet to break, break through, uh, with well, a camera. One, one random Augusta fact that I don't know if people knew, cause it was news to me and I had never seen this before, but one of the agents pointed it out on the driving range where we were filming, um, during a practice round, but I don't know if you know this, but the professional driving range that they use for the Masters, they don't use that normally. The members, that's only open for the tournament. And if you look at the range, go back and look at a picture of it, there's sort of three kind of like divided by some trees, you know, fairways to hit your driver into if you're, you know, hitting a a longer club. And apparently they're like replicas of the three statistically hardest driving holes on the course. Really? Which, if you go back and look at it, you're like, oh my God. And it's like number one, and I forget the other two, but it's like, it is. And apparently, like, there's a bunker exactly the same distance from the number one tee on the driving range. And no it's way. just a chance for the players to get, you know, that visual in their head. And I was like, once you, once someone told me that, you can't unsee it. And that was, that was my favorite little Augusta factoid that we learned that. That week. is a great factoid. That is fantastic. Yeah, you can warm up <laughs> like you got, you've got to carry the bunker on one. I imagine like mm-hmm. 11s probably in, out there somewhere. That's so mm-hmm. wow, That's really. Yeah. Go look at it. Go look, go Google an image of it and you'll be like, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> that is so cool. So I think what's also great about this is broken tea society member, golf fan, golfer yourself mm-hmm. to get to mm-hmm. do this. Uh, yeah. What a dream gig, right? Dream come true. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 I mean, I grew up playing golf. You know, I was, a, I was, a, my dad was in the air force. I was a military brat. So I'd move around a lot. And I remember, you know, I, my, my grandfather was also a fighter pilot who was stationed with the RAF for a period of time up in, um, Lucas air force base, which is like right next to St. Andrews. And, wow. You know, the officers at the, the RAF, they would like play in matches against the RNA and the St. Andrews society and all these things. And it was just yeah. golf was like a big part of my life growing up. My grandfather and my dad and my grandfather retired from the air force as a full Colonel. And his first job after the air force, he became a starter at a golf course in Las Vegas where he was stationed, you know, and that that's just nice. how much golf is in our family. And I, I started playing when I was six years old and then, you know, in high school got really serious. I, I played football and golf, but then, you know, tried out for the golf team when I was a freshman, didn't make it. And then decided I was going to really get serious and then came back my sophomore year, you know, won the tryouts and became our number one player and, you know, got a taste of reality in some of the larger junior events and learned that like golf wasn't going to be a profession that I would, you know, compete in as a player. But, you know, it's, it's like all of us who are you know listening to this podcast and, you know, are members of Broken Tea Society. It's like golf's still the thing I think about you know, all the time. Like I can't imagine a day that's gone by that I haven't thought about golf in some sense. You know, I lived in New York for eight years and didn't get a chance to play as much, but I'd still be sitting there going to some meeting, you know, in a, in a elevator where there's a mirror and I'm like, got to, you know, I'm yeah. doing the little golf swing, like checking my positions with a, with a umbrella or something. It's just it's a little inside there. You want to get, you want to get up right there, Chad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everybody, you know, it's just, it's like, you all know, everybody listening knows like how much, you know, golf has just given me so much my whole life. And it's just been such a source of like adventure and challenge and thrilling, you know, friendships and travel and, 
history and, you know, appreciation for design. And um, so to get a chance to do this and, and to sort of take the sport and the, the thing that I love, you know, more than, you know, anything other than like my kids and my family, uh, my wife, it's, um, it's a, it really is a dream come true. This is going to be a tough one to top as a golf fan. I mean, spending the last couple of years doing this, uh, just, just awesome. Um, now as a fan, were, were there moments and maybe it was, maybe it was Augusta, just give us some of those pinch me moments where like, okay, you're here, you're there as a professional, you're doing your thing. You've got to capture this footage. You've got to, you have to make sure you kept, you get that or get this, but there had to be those moments where you just like, I can't believe I'm standing here. Yeah. I mean, definitely Augusta was like that the whole, you know, every minute during that week kind of felt like that but also it's like you're you know you are working so there's like a there's Mm -hmm. things to do there's you know there's always in production there's always something that's like going wrong or something someone's not where they're supposed to be and you're trying to figure stuff out and so you know you're so busy that it like never really got that moment there was a moment at augusta where um i think it was i want to say it was like saturday was it saturday where it was really cold and rainy or was that friday it was one of those days it was freezing cold but then like the sun came out and it was like sunset. And I remember just like standing up at the, by the first tee, like looking out at the golf course, like as the sun broke through and it was just yeah. like, Oh my God, like here I am. Like, this is the childhood dream. You know, I remember watching that tournament as a kid and to think that like, I get to be the person to bring this to life. This kind of thing that no one's ever seen before was like, it kind of hit me in a big way. Um, you know, the, the, the kind of relationships that I've, that I've built with the players and their families and their agents and their teams has, has been really fun and really special. Um, I think a pinch me, another pinch me moment was like, just honestly, like one of the craziest shots I've ever seen in my life. One of the first shoots we did was we went with Justin Thomas to the Titleist Performance Institute where he was doing some like fitting. I think he was like getting fitted for a new three wood or something and doing some wedge work. And he hit like the most insane shot I've ever seen hit in person ever. And it's all, it would take me 10 minutes to even describe it, but safe to say he like intentionally bladed a lob wedge underneath the fence and then had it check on a green that was like 20 yards on the other side of the fence. And I still don't know how physically that was possible to do. And he just did it the first try. And it, that was like a unbelievable <laughs> thing to see. It didn't make it into the show because there's like no context ah, to it, but it was, come it was on. just showing off and it was ridiculous. Can we get that footage? Uh, the other, you know, one of the the first time we actually rolled cameras wasn't even at a PGA Tour event. It was um, it was with Joel Damon and Harry Higgs and their caddies. They'd come back from Hawaii, the Hawaii swing, and they challenged some locals. They'd never played Goat Hill Park, which is a, a municipal course in uh, near, near, near San Dear Diego. Dwarf. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and they uh, and they had just like posted on Twitter like we want a game, we want to go to Goat Hill. We've heard it's great, so they just challenged two random Twitter people. And they were going to play in a scramble against, you know, Joel and his caddy and, and Harry and his caddy versus these two guys. And it turns out both were like college golfers. They were kind of like ringers and I don't think they were expecting <laughs> it. So they get to the first team, both guys just like stripe it down the middle right. and they're like, oh shit, we're like in for it. You know, and they're, but they showed up with like a bunch of white claws and, you know, by the time, so this is our first experience ever shooting with pro golfers and we're at Goat Hill Park, Joel Damon and Harry Higgs making fun of each other the entire time. Everyone's wearing mics. These kids are like hanging with the pros and everybody's laughing by the time you know it's kind of sunset by the time we get to the back nine it felt like i don't know like the shell's wonderful world of golf like a crowd had heard about it and there was probably 30 or 40 people little kids dogs everybody with a beer in their hand music playing like walking following this group of like these you know six players playing in the scramble as the sun set in san diego i mean it was just like amazing we looked at each other after that and we were like oh my god we've got a show like if this is day one of shooting yeah like we've got it you know because um, that's awesome i was gonna ask you what was the moment when you knew you had maybe that's when you knew you had a show or when you knew you had a great show because when you create anything whether it's a video or or, or writing something there's that anxiety you have going into it where you wonder i don't know if i can pull this off um mm-hmm. it's always there mm-hmm. and then there's that moment of relief where you're like yep i got it um, yeah. I've, got, I've got something, uh, was that the moment or there had to be, might've been others as well. That was, it was, that moment happened multiple times, but that was the first, you know, day of shooting. And we're like, okay, if this is the way we're starting. You know, this is like, we, we really, we've got, we're onto something, you know, another huge moment was on the 72nd hole at Brookline, you know, mm. Matt Fitzpatrick in a bunker. And that whole day was so dramatic. Like his, 
families are all wearing mics. You know, his brother Alex, wow. his friend Dan Rappaport, you know, the golf journalist, his parents. We've got a crew with them. We've got a crew with Matt following him, you know, inside the ropes. You know, you're hearing everything. The Boston fans, like you just don't hear this on the broadcast, are just like roasting him, you know, calling him Maddie Skechers, you know, saying go Zalator. I mean, it was brutal. And you hear it in the show, just like how <laughs> much they were chirping him. And he hits it in the bunker and we're like, oh my God, everything. And Matt has given us so much access all year. And we were there with him. He, you know, we followed him at the PGA Championship. He was in the final group. You know, literally like spent Saturday night with him at his house with Thomas Peters and Dan Rappaport, like hanging out, talking about what it's like to go be in the final group at the PGA. Uh, and then he didn't, you know, he didn't win. And now we're back again. And it's like overcast and just epic. Feel. It just felt like epic out there that whole day. Everyone's kind of wearing quarter zips. It was a little cold. It just looked amazing. You know, I'm like looking at the footage through the monitors and I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be epic. And then he hits it the bunker and he hits that shot. And it felt like that ball was in the air for like an hour. I mean, it was crazy because nobody, you know, could see it because it was in an overcast. And all of a sudden it yeah. lands right on the green, you know, 15 feet from the hole. And it was like, oh my God, we, we did it. Like, I mean, I felt like we had won the U.S. Open, you know, right. we're like we're going to get the bat, the bat major, you know, and there it was. And then his reaction and, you know, it was, it was so cool. And then his parents and his family, like they were just so emotional and you could just see the hard work and like how intense that moment was for everyone in his life. And to be there for that, it was like, oh my God, you know, I, I, I think that shot is like in, in many ways, in my opinion, like the high point of the whole show, you know, just because yeah. everything like led to that. And uh, it was, it was amazing. That's amazing. That is amazing. Uh, wow. So, I mean, going into this, conversation and even after you know having you know been sort of following the developments with the show a lot of us are wondering who's the show for is it for people who don't know anything about golf and now we'll bring them along into into actually maybe caring about golf is it for the golf diehards um but from what you're talking about i'm as a golf diehard myself i i want to see some of that <laughs> i want to see some of that stuff on sunday now i know what fitzpatrick did but I'm pretty curious to see what his family was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's for, you know, our goal is to make it for a, just a, a bigger audience than just golf. I think like the hope is that we can introduce a lot of new fans to the sport, but sure. you know, I've watched every episode a hundred times and seen every iteration of every cut. And I still get teared up watching the show, you know, various points. I still get excited and like adrenaline rush, you know, seeing, what happened, like, even though I know what happened, I've seen it a million times. Like, I think there's enough, there's something in it for, there's definitely a ton in it for hardcore golf fans. Um, and, and then, you know, even if you know the result, like seeing what it took, took to get there and being behind the scenes, there's also like a lot of funny camaraderie. There's some real drama with the live stuff. And, you know, you all of a sudden have all these players who are being extremely outspoken, you know, not historically what golfers are, you know, known for being like very outspoken. Right. Um, and so there's something for, I definitely think there's something for everybody. You know, my hope is that you're a diehard golfer and maybe your spouse, or your friend or your cousin or your sister, or your uncle, like they want to watch this show too, even though they've never tuned in to watch golf. Cause they just, they've heard that the stories are interesting and, and it is a cool lifestyle to get sort of dropped into, you know, these guys fly around on private jets. They cool friends. They're all athletic and, you know, actually cool in real ways. And, um, I, I, but you know, even as a golf hardcore fan, like I, I think I love our episodes. I think it, it's so fun and there's something new for everybody, even if you kind of already knew what happened. Fantastic. Now as someone who's been through, uh, golf improvement and worked hard at your own game, what was your perspective on how hard they work? Do they work harder or not as hard as you thought? Uh, it was interesting just in the clips in the trailer, you see, you know, people putting in their hotel rooms and stuff like that. And I imagine myself as a golf professional and playing golf 23 hours a day. Um, that's what I would I'd have to play 40 hours a day to, to play at that level. But um, <laughs> yeah. so in terms of, you know, their work, uh, did it surprise you how much or, or maybe not how much? No, it, it, it surprised me how much they play and how much they work. Yeah. You know um, it's, it's like, you know, th that scene from the tra the teaser that you saw is, you know, Brooks Kepka putting to a wine bottle, um, you know, and he's like, it's like midnight and he'd been putting for three hours with his putting coach and Jenna and their dogs like sitting there, you know, and like, and Brooks Kepka is somebody who's not, 
you know, known for being like obsessively uh, work grinder and, mm, and you know, but, but he is, and he does, and that's all he thinks about. You know, huh. he, he told us in his first interview that he wakes up at night, two in the morning, can't sleep. And is like making a club grip, like in bed, just thinking about, you know, golf and the swing. And, you know, it's just, it's, there is, they, and they do, they work so hard. I mean, um, so many examples of just like how intense they, how much they practice, um, how deliberate their practice is. You know, I think that's, you know, we don't get into that. Like we don't, you know, spend a lot of time like walking through a practice routine with a player, but like, you know, I, I remember one time we showed up and somebody was putting, you know, hitting like a 10 foot putt up the hill, going through their entire routine, marking the ball, lining it up, doing the practice putts and putting it. And then I went out, followed another player for like an hour and a half and I came back and they were still hitting the same putt, still going through the same routine. I'd be bored out of my mind, like hitting that same putt, you know, a thousand times. Right. But they were, they were there doing, that's just, that's what it takes, you know? And then the if, physical side of it, I think, you know, pe- people maybe have a sense now, but like you really get a sense of just how much they like work out and how much they train and stretch and like the physical side, you know, being on the road and, and having to kind of swing as hard as they do. And like distance obviously become such a, you know, a good sign of like winning, like the faster your swing speed is, you know, the lower scoring average is going to be a lot of times, you know, it's not true for everybody, but that's generally like, you know, everybody's hitting a lot further and moving their body in a lot of different ways. And so, you know, they spend for every second, they're not on the golf course. A lot of times they're like in an ice bath or they're, you know, getting stretched out or they're going to the gym in the gym trailer. And that, that ended up being kind of this impromptu, like really funny, almost like pseudo locker room, like throughout the season. Cause you'd just be in the gym at the PGA tour events and there'd just be like, Oh, that's there's Scotty Shuffler. Oh, there's Justin Thomas. Oh, Jordan Spieth just walked in. Oh, Rory's like making, you know, talking shit. Like, you know, it's just, it's just like this became this little like environment where they all, and they are, they take it seriously. Um, and then the caddies too, like the amount of work the caddies put in, you know, that was, that was pretty striking as well to watch, you know, them like gunning out there and walking the course and, you know, even just seeing the way they prepare on, during a practice round, you know, putting down, you know, little, you know, simulated cups and chipping and putting different areas. And it's just, it all happens kind of in this like flow and the, the craziest part of it is like, it is like a traveling circus, you know, like mm. it's the same people and the same gear trucks and the same gym. And it all just kind of pops up in different cities. And it's a little bit like high school in that respect. Like everybody's kind of there together, not just the players, but like the caddies and the managers and everybody just kind of knows each other. There's this interesting kind of bond that forms, which is I think partly why like the live stuff is so disruptive because, you know, these guys, you may not be best friends with everybody out there on tour, but you're all like tour players, you know, you're there together. Like you made it, you're the best in the world. And they're all type A, you know, kind of credible athletes and workers and their mental toughness is there. And it's like, all of a sudden guys start leaving the tour and they're like, no, this is calling into question, like everything that I've defined myself by. And I think that's why people had really strong opinions. Um, And it really broke that spirit of like that high school feel in a really interesting way for the show, (laughs) to be honest. But um, no, I, I can imagine. And, uh, and as Polt says in the, in the teaser there, it was, it was quite a year, uh, a year to have your cameras rolling on the PGA mm-hmm. tour. Now, as you're watching them work out and grind and practice and go through their routines, anything that you picked up as a golfer selfishly, uh, <laughs> I mean, God, if I'm following the best players around in the world, around in the world around for, a year or so, I'd like to think I might shave a couple shots off my handicap. Did you pick up anything? I mean, you know, I wish it worked that way. I did get a really great golf tip that did shave some strokes off from, not from a player, but actually from Sean Foley. Okay. Uh, this also was at the Masters. Like, we were standing there watching somebody hit on the range, just talking to each other. And I've gotten to know, like, Sean pretty well. And, and you know, I'm like, hey, can I ask you a golf question? You know, and if you say that to Sean Foley, like you better be ready for like an hour long dissertation, you know, after that. Right. And so, you know, funny, one of the other agents was there and he heard me ask him and he was like, oh boy, here it comes, you know, so just like, <laughs> here's what I'm struggling with, whatever. And he was like, without even watching me swing, he's like, I think you've got a trigger problem. He's like, I, I try this next time you're out on the course, count backwards from five. And when you get to zero, say the word swing in your mind. And just pull the trigger. Like, don't, doesn't matter if you're ready or not. You're five, four, three, two, one, swing, and you're going. And he's like, it has to be backwards because your brain, it like, it's wired where if you're counting upwards, like, you kind of, it doesn't work the same way. But when you're counting backwards, it's just hard enough and engages that, like, 
part of your brain that kind of takes away your muscle control. So now you're just swinging your natural swing. And I'll be damned, he was right. Like I started doing it and now I do it every time. And I, you know, I think my handicap's a little lower than it was in the beginning of the season. I, it was 100% Sean Foley. Countdown. Oh man. All right. We're going to have a broken tease aside. Give it a try. Folks out there undertaking the index experiment this year, trying to play their best golf with the Golfer's Journal. Uh, Might count down from five. Uh, that's interesting. Well, I can see that actually, though. I mean, if I was on a, a shot I was nervous about or on a first tee or something, like that might be just a cool way to to clear your head and actually get the club to move backwards when you find yourself in those moments. Um, yeah. Apparently, yeah. it really does like rewire your brain very shortly by counting backwards. And that takes your mind off of the technical side of it because you're, you're, you're using that brain power to like, remember how to count down instead of yeah. count up. Yeah. And, and then you're, I, it worked. I mean, it honestly yeah. worked. It was wild that it worked, but it worked. Fair it was enough. the best lesson I ever got. And I never even had a club in my hand. Now, was there, um, a player in terms of, you know, you was a fan, you know, fans think of have expectations and ideas about what Rory's like, um, what, Justin Thomas is like, you know, or what Scotty Sheffield, like, you know, you have those preconceptions or those images or those ideas that are built through telecasts and and through uh, brief media interviews. Who surprised you the most where maybe you said, you know what, this, this guy, you know, is nothing like people think he is. Brooks Kepka, hands down. Yeah. When you said he was grinding for four hours, I was like, why doesn't he tell that to people? He would have more fans because there is this impression that he'd rather be playing baseball or something. Right. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And he'll say that, but then you get inside of his world a little bit and you know, he longs for golf. Like he, he is, I, you know, Brooks was the most surprising player in the show by far in terms of, you know, his outward perception, at least the impression that I had and the person that we got to know and got to film with. And I think his, episode and his portrayal in the show will blow people away uh, at sort of what is going on in his head. Um, so Brooks hands down, you know, the most different from anybody that I, you know, sort of my understanding of golf and general fandom. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick, another player that, you know, kind of is flying under the radar for us and, and just turned out to be unbelievably interesting. And, you know, his approach to the statistical side of the game, you know, how incremental his improvement has been, but just like relentlessly incrementally improving to kind of culminate in him winning the US Open and having it his first PGA Tour win at the same time. I mean, that was really cool. And like, I'm the biggest Matt Fitzpatrick fan now, just getting to know him. And and he's just an amazing guy, like very gracious, funny, dark, you know, not dark sense of humor, but like sneakily witty and, and really has a great dry wit. He's been really fun. You know, Justin Thompson, Jordan Spieth, like, you know about their friendship. Everybody kind of understands that, but getting to know both of those guys pretty well, like just, I'm, you know, fans for life. Jordan Spieth's got a hilarious sense of humor that, that I think like, you know, you may not know about just kind of watching him being a fan. Um, but yeah, they're, they're like, uh, yeah, those, those guys really, you know, really surprised me. So these lots of perks and side benefits now for you, uh, for you now, Chad, now that you're buddies (laughs) with half the tour, uh, their agents, et cetera, you don't want for, you're not going to want for a round of golf. Um, the, the, the golf's world, the golf world will be open to you. I would imagine, um, have you been able to take advantage of any, uh, as, as a player yourself playing, teeing it up in any cool spots or playing with any guys you're like, wow, this is pretty neat. Well, you know, what's funny about it is I've still never played with a pro golfer, like ever. <laughs> just, maybe that'll change after the show comes out, but I didn't want to ask. You know, it's, a, it's a relationship, you know, like I'm there to tell yeah, their story. True, yeah. And, you yeah. know, it's like, I didn't want to ask. Um, I'm actually playing in the pro-am at the Waste Management Phoenix Open for the first time I've ever played a pro. So that'll actually be my first official round with a pro golfer. That's actually not true. I did. I played a round of golf when I was like 14 with Franklin Langham. That's a real deep cut sort of early aughts golfer. But he led the PGA Tour in sand saves. Uh, so, yeah, I did play golf with Franklin Langham once. And I remember, like, I bladed one, like, right off the first tee. But, yeah, Franklin, thank you for that if you're listening. Uh, How did you not get him on the show? I, uh, you know I what? I should have. should have. Um, you know, the, was right the, there. Yeah, it was right there. Exactly. You know, I we'll see. I mean, I've got, you know, I, I've, uh, 
very lucky to get to play a lot of golf and and you know i didn't play with players or, but you know sometimes we'd be out there at some of these events and i'd get invited and go sneak out uh i still think that round of golf i played at shadow creek in 2019 at ces was by far the most impactful round of golf i've ever played because um this is what led to the show i mean directly it also by the way in my gin was the highest score i've had since i've been keeping score in gin just to show you at my shadow mind creek? was probably not in it at shadow creek i think i, I shot 94 yeah right, right. Um, well, people are going to ask now, what is your, what is your handicap? Jen? I, I think right now it's like a 0.4. So 0. 0.4, 0. 0.4. Yeah. Um, Damn. I got it down to a plus 0. 0.4 or plus 0. 0.5 over the summer when I was, you know, it was a little less rainy out here in LA. I was playing a little bit more, but, but yeah, I've been hovering around scratch, but yeah, that's the only score in the nineties is that shadow Creek on the day that this show was hatched. <laughs> Just a solid 94 with set of rental clubs. You know, yeah but, well yeah. as you said you had other you were out for other things that day but mm-hmm. it, it's only appropriate that the show sort of hatched uh over a round of golf um yeah some, i mean you can't write it on course really networking can't. right exactly um, season two is there going to be uh is there going to be more well we are um we'll be out there so stay tuned but you know you'll see our cameras out there starting in a couple weeks okay all right well we'll look for them uh chad can't thank you enough for the time this was so much fun um i'm really excited for the show <laughs> i'm not gonna lie to you uh is it all coming out in are, are you gonna are all the episodes coming out together or is it like one yep. per week kind of deal i forget we're not gonna we're not dripping it out you're gonna be able to binge it so you know all eight Ooh, episodes coming situation. out february 15th full swing on netflix yeah <laughs> yeah we're, we're ready i hope you're ready because i'm pumped and i really enjoyed i really enjoyed this tom thank you so much for having me on I'm a, I love what you guys are doing. Happy to be, you know, a member of the Broken Tea Society. And uh, you know, this means a lot to to be on here and and hang out with you guys for a little bit. You're the man. That's so cool. And we hope to see you at a golfer's journal event soon. All right. I'd let's love to take that point for handicap and let's bring it out. Uh maybe some broken tea two man, a little something. Try and get, you know, you need to get some paint, some hardware. Uh oh, yeah. the, the golfer's journal. All right. Love it season awesome maybe season four or five following foster around in his van uh going from <laughs> event to event once the pj's had enough of you we'll have you uh at Great. the golfer's journal awesome chad thank you so much all right thanks you guys thanks for listening everyone if you enjoyed this episode we strongly encourage you to become a member of the golfer's journal or if you already are to share it with your friends. As a reader-supported publication, we couldn't do it without you. We also couldn't do it without the help of our partners, and they are Titleist, Scotty Cameron, Footjoy, Oakley, Link Soul, Links and Kings, Charles Schwab, and BMW. We'll see you next time on the Golfer's Journal Podcast.